0: to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, c one Chong. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well and staying safe. I'm doing okay. Um, I just recently found a new apartment since my lease was not renewed at my last place. Everything has moved in and now I'm slowly unpacking. Otherwise, I'm just teaching and learning Chinese. I'm trying to start back up some new work, but I've been spending a lot of time just reading. I just got a standing desk, which helps alleviate my risks, and I hope that will motivate me to start video editing. I know these are all just excuses, but you know... Anyways, for today, I am presenting the last of my interviews during my time at Vermont Studio Center from almost a whole year ago. Uh, I really wish I could be better at getting through my interviews more timely, but juggling this whole podcast project by myself does have its limits. With all that aside, for today, I'm chatting with Angelique Scott, an artist, educator, and activist who creates work about blackness as a social and cultural identity. Angelique arrived halfway through my time in Vermont for a shorter period, but we quickly got to know each other and had lots of late-night studio breaks together. Angelique graduated with a BFA in art education and in studio art, with a focus on ceramics, a material I still have trouble working with. In addition to ceramics, we discuss hyperintentionality within one's work, craft work as art, and writing artist statements. As usual, stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to start over. All right. Uh, so right now I'm here with Angelique Scott and uh, we're in Johnson, Vermont. Today is actually sunny for the first time in it a is. week.
1: It's beautiful.
0: And uh, thanks for coming.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. And then I was, I just, in my introduction, I introduced you as Angelique Scott, but I know you have mm-hmm. a much longer name.
1: I do. I do. I have four names in my name. Yeah. So I can put my whole government out. Yeah. My full name is Angelique Archelle Griffith Scott.
0: That has such a nice cadence to it, Thanks. the way you say it.
1: I'll be sure to let my parents know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but you go by Angie.
1: Yeah, I do. Because. I shorten shorten Um, You know, for a long time, just as a kid growing up, having to correct people like Angelica or I don't even know, like people just adding letters yeah. and making ran- their ran- own random sound. Random vowels that exactly. don't belong. So I was just like, and within half of my name, the first five letters are Angel. Mm-hmm. Um but I felt like that was a little cliche. So I was like, I'm not going to go by Angel. Uh, So Angie is that, that's like the nickname. That's just easier for me and everyone else. Um, But on my artwork and on everything that's like labeled and important, I have my full name written out.
0: Or I interviewed her for, I think, episode eight, Kilolo. She's a curator and she is like her, her mom was like, you know, they can pronounce Tchaikovsky, they can totally right. pronounce anything else.
1: Right. And I have to remind myself of that when I introduce myself to people sometimes. Yeah. Like, just because something isn't somebody's like native tongue doesn't mean it should be on you, kind of.
0: Or that or supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Right. Which is sort of insane that, right. that people is. have devoted brain cells remembering that. Yeah. But can't remember someone's name.
1: I used to be able to spell that, so I know I yeah. the challenge. <laughs> I don't think
0: I've ever tried spelling it. <laughs> yeah okay um (laughs) how's your day been so far
1: uh it's been good I feel pretty well rested I've had some long nights here uh making work and I usually journal like I like I end my day by journaling when I'm when I'm away from home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and just as a way to like reflect on like the day I had uh and like uh, store some gems that I, that, you know, revelations that I had, like after our studio visit, I wrote down a lot of the stuff we talked about. What did um, I say
0: that stuck out?
1: Uh, <laughs> I think the biggest thing was just helping me think through actually the different points mm. in my art practice that I've had that I've kind of like led to this work, uh, was, was really awesome. Cause I, I haven't been able to like, I think it's different when you like think about something and maybe you know something like intrinsically or like over time it's subconscious but when you actually talk to someone and like you're saying it out loud it becomes like a very real um like feeling and emotion it's like oh yeah that that's exactly how I felt (laughs) so I wrote I wrote down some of those things that's
0: good I'm glad I could help
1: yeah thank you so much that was actually uh like a really productive studio visit, um, you know, whereas people just coming in like, oh, what are you making? Oh, this is cool. I like that. It was, it was really nice to engage in that conversation.
0: Did you engage with other artists doing studio visits or any of the visiting, visiting artists coming here?
1: Um, I think I've had some of the other resident artists stop by yeah. um, and kind of like give me their perspective or, you know, just like look at it and Tell me their thoughts. Bushra, the visiting writer that was here, she stopped by for my studio for That's a little nice. while. Yeah. I really appreciated that. Even though she's not, you know, a visual artist or like a critic or anything. I think that.
0: I wish I should have done that. It was,
1: it was just really interesting. I mean, she wasn't doing studio visits, but like one night after our conversation, I was like, Hey, would you just like yeah. to come and see my work and tell me what you think? And that was, that was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a few people. That's I don't good. know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk a bit about uh, where you grew up, how you got into arts?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I've kind of grown up over the East Coast. So I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I lived there for a while with my mom and my dad. But then uh, me and my mom, my dad and his family still live there. My dad is from Barbados. So I am, for my dad, I'm first generation um, American in their family. Well, me and like all my other first cousins for them. And are.
0: when did he immigrate to?
1: He came when he was eight or nine years old. Okay. My grandfather came over first okay. and like got himself set up and then he sent for the rest of the family. So my grandmother and all the kids came over. So my dad has been here for a while. Yeah. Um, he just wasn't born here, but he still has a lot of memories like of his childhood and he still grew up kind of. Well, not even kind of, he grew up like in a Caribbean home, like in a Bayesian home. So a lot of the things in the home kind of were the same, I imagine. And so my mom moved to Richmond, Virginia. So I lived there off and on for a while. That was kind of our like... Landing spot, whenever from from Brooklyn, yeah, from Brooklyn. So, whenever she wanted to move around, like she tried to move to Jacksonville, Florida, because we had family there, Uh, and then she decided that she didn't like it. So, we moved back to Virginia, exactly. But then she tried again to move to Tampa, Florida, (laughs) for a little while. Um, (laughs) is
0: that aren't they the same?
1: Yeah, right. I don't know. I'm sure she had family there too, but right, right. Yeah, Florida's Florida's a Florida's a odd state, yeah. Um, Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't work out either. But I did stay. I because um, I was an only child for about 13 years of my life. And so I wanted to be with my other cousin. So she did let me do a year of school there.
0: Where's your cousin?
1: They live in Tampa, Florida. Oh, OK. Yeah, they live in Tampa. So I stayed for that year. How was that? It was it was nice. It was interesting. It was my seventh grade year, and I distinctly remember it because that was the year I got my first kiss. So it was like uh, like a oh, who, who is trademark. This um, I don't talk to them or like keep in contact okay, with them anymore. Yeah. I did for a while, and yeah. it was really like awkward sometimes because mm. I didn't live there. So and I would go to visit my cousins. Uh, they kind of knew that I was coming in town, yeah. and then yeah, so that was it. Was really interesting for a few years, mm. um, but that was fun. And then we moved back to Richmond. And I did eighth grade and then I did high school there. High school was interesting because I went to a private school, but like I didn't live near the school. So Mm. it was like 30 minutes outside of where I lived. And then I went to college there. And then I just moved to Maryland, Virginia Commonwealth University. How was that?
0: Supposed to be a good top art school. It was. You went went there for art? Yeah, I did. I did.
1: I double majored in art education. So um, art education and craft and material cities. So I ended up leaving with two BFAs and my teaching license.
0: You left with two BFAs.
1: Yeah. Well, they gave me two separate sheets of paper. Okay. So I assume that that means. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not quite I just, I just, I just wanted to make sure I heard that. Correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: really interesting to think about. Everyone says that they're like, what? But I, I double, I did two at the same time. Okay. I, anyway. That's great. Um, yeah.
0: Wait, you had a BFA for art education? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. Interesting.
1: With my teaching license and, um, the BFA for craft and material studies. Nice. And so I, my concentration is in clay, but I experimented with wood working, glass blowing, textiles and fabric. I never did metals. I never got into metals. I'm working with wire now, but not, you know, like enamel. No, not,
0: yeah. Not, not like yeah. welding or.
1: I did do welding. Oh, yeah. Okay. I took an intro to sculpture class. Yeah. And so I got to work with, which was fun, like bending metal and
0: yeah. it's. It's hard work. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. And but it was interesting. I really enjoyed it, which is I use some of those uh, techniques I, I learned in my art practice now. So mm-hmm. I guess that intro class worked out for the best.
0: And um, what were your parents' thoughts on you becoming an artist? Were they What was their background? Did they, were they supportive of you growing up in the arts? Or
1: They were. Yeah. And I'm really appreciative because I know that's not a common thing sometimes. Um, especially
0: not immigrant families
1: right so my dad I don't think my dad ever went to college okay um he went to trade school um so he is a contractor he does everything he can build a house from the ground up
0: that's that's useful
1: he literally remodeled my aunt's home back in Richmond um a storm came through
0: I have like dreams of like buying my own plot of land and learning how to build a house
1: yeah my dad could help you (laughs) yeah he really could uh So he he fixes everything from like plumbing to electric work to like fixing roofs, insulations, putting up walls. Not he could literally do it all. Uh, And my mom is a security officer. She's not a police officer. Thank goodness. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: And where Um, where, was she an immigrant, too? Or she was.
1: No, she was born here. As far as I can tell, her whole family, my whole mom's side of the family is, is from here. From New York. Yeah, they're okay. from New York, between New York, North Carolina, and Virginia. Okay. Yeah, they're from those places. My great-grandmother, um, who is still alive, I'm, I'm really excited. She's 95? Yeah. I think she'll be 96 this, this year. That's good news for you. Yes, yeah. Long life, which yeah. is which is awesome. Uh, and she is still, I think her mind is fading a little bit, but yeah. she she remembers things pretty well and pretty vividly. Yeah um to be her age i was like that's that's yeah. pretty amazing and she's still sassy and feisty yeah. and she'll have you laughing and questioning yourself all yeah. in the same breath um but yeah so my parents are really supportive of my art practice i think they knew that i wanted to do something creative ever since i was younger you know as most i feel like most art kids kind of started at a young age from like painting or like getting into messes or... Um, Did you say messes? Yeah, messes. Like <laughs> I I thought I wanted to be a chef one time because I just loved making things. So uh-huh. I would always be in the kitchen like putting together these <sighs> concoctions of food.
0: That, that your mom had to clean up
1: after? Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she never complained, you know, because sometimes like when money's tight, you're like, you can't just, just be in here like wasting food. But yeah. um, she's always like laughing or like found was, it really interesting. That's good. It was, it was. She was super supportive and then... Every Christmas, they brought me easels and yeah. paints and paint sets. And then I remember one Christmas, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer. So she brought me a sewing machine or bought me a sewing machine. Did so you how to sew? I did. Yeah, yeah I did. I, I sewed a dress. Really? I did.
0: What did the dress look like?
1: Uh, so it was from one of my grandmother's old dresses. So I kind of just took it in to fit my body. Uh, um, and then I cut the sleeves. So it was like a like a floral, like flowy dress at the bottom, and it was tight along yeah. the waist. And that was really interesting. But they've always been pretty supportive. I actually only went to private school because my zone school didn't have a good arts program. Mm. And my mother knew that that's what I wanted to do. So wow. she sent me to, to one of the best private schools. And in order
0: for you to do art. Yeah, yeah. So you were in Virginia for all of high school?
1: All of high school, okay. yeah, which I begged to be. I was like, can we please... Just had you like, you I like Virginia? one high school. I didn't like, I didn't necessarily, I have like a love-hate relationship with Virginia. It's a loaded place. It has a lot of history. It has a lot to do though, I think. Like it's really close to the mountains. If you want to go hiking, they have festivals all the time in Richmond. There are a lot of places like, you know, the VMFA and different museums. They just built a new Institute of Contemporary Art. So it's a developing city and it's been developing for like the last 40 years. Yeah. Um, it's always changing so i I do like that part about it, and it has a rich history for black people there, uh with like Jackson Ward and everything. So I think it's a really great place. But when I was in high school, I didn't know a lot of this because I never went into the city, so I was really like unaware of its like underlying greatness and also it's like underlying history being the capital of like the battle place of the Confederacy so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot. But they've always been really supportive. Um, and then when I told them I wanted to go to art school, they were like, okay, that's great. Of course, I'm first-generation grad to or graduate, so they had no idea like-
0: What that meant.
1: At all. Yeah. Like they never helped me fill out a FAFSA. I remember specifically like- asking my mom to go get her like a tax transcript so I can get financial aid and stuff. So that was a learning experience, like yeah. having to do all of that on your own and figure out how to do it. And, what's, and if you're doing it the right way, you know, you're learning by trial yeah. and error. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't, that wasn't the best, but I, I survived. I came out okay. Yeah. So You're alive, you're in a right. so right. residency, you're,
0: you're still making art, which is, you know.
1: Yeah. That was the advice I got from most professors. I asked them for advice just, like, after graduating and trying to, like, navigate life and, you know, have a life and make art and figure it all out. They were like, don't stop making work. Like, you can't yeah. stop making work. You did, have to-
0: did you ever meet Sabo Elise Smith while you were in VCU?
1: I did not, but I you knew, do. You know them? I do. I yeah. know them. And they are um, amazing. Their work is amazing. I'm, like, a huge fan. I, yeah. Yeah, I really do. <laughs>
0: Sabo's I- been blowing up, I feel like.
1: yeah. Uh, they had a piece at the ICA, the Institute for Contemporary Art. They in, had a piece up there in Richmond. Oh, Richmond, okay. Yeah, in Richmond. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I saw images of it online. Yeah. I I did DM them, though, and I was like, hey. Did they respond? I Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. totally. Uh, but we just never yeah. never really set up a time. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: just I was just curious. I knew, I knew they were working there for one, a little bit. I think they just got a new job somewhere else, though. So.
1: So they're probably think, out of Richmond. Yeah, I think so.
0: But yeah, I overlapped. I overlapped with Sable for just one day at one residency at the Fountainhead, and then and then I met up with Sable and Art Basel Switzerland when I was in Europe.
1: Nice. But yeah, I wish I could have just been like a fly on the wall for those conversations. Yeah. And
0: then you remember you. I forget you were here when Joe was around, right? Jo I was. Yeah. 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 Joe was like Sable studio assistant too, so That's So, <laughs> so it's like so all, awesome. these inter- all these intric and all these intricate connections.
1: Right. I wish I would have known that. I would have like asked her. I also wish she would have like just stayed longer. I think coming here for only two weeks instead of four weeks, which I was originally supposed to be here for four weeks, but just timing between yeah. my other residencies didn't work out. You can't do everything. That's true. That's true. But there are some really great people here. For example you want Oh, no, thank you um and so just you know having time to like make work and interact with people yeah. and get to know people is all part of like the residency experience so but you know this cold i'm not a not a huge fan Come of it you're so. from
0: baltimore isn't baltimore cold
1: that's true i don't live I there in baltimore in the, oh. but my studio's in baltimore so i'm there often yeah so
0: what brought you to baltimore
1: uh my mom lives in maryland Yeah, so we had so after
0: Virginia, Mm -hmm. they your mom moved to Maryland. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, after Virginia, exactly, she moved to Maryland, and then I told her that I would come and help out for a year, and it was supposed to just be a year, but this is going on the second year, and I found a studio space at Baltimore Clayworks, and it's been really amazing. Just having kind of space to go and make work has been great. But for the first couple of months, I was like visiting museums, going to see shows and stuff. And trying to get a sense of, like, new inspiration in the studio. Like, I felt like I was making a lot of, um, not that there's anything wrong with making, like, hobbyist like, work. But I was making a lot of things that I didn't feel passionate about. I was more so just making for the sake of making, which is okay. Which is totally okay. Right. But I wanted something more, but I didn't know what that was. And so between these last few residencies, I think it really helped me figure out what I'm passionate or what my work right now, like what I'm passionate about making.
0: Um, well, the large part about that is like, once you leave school, yeah, I think that's more of the question because no one, no one's giving you a grade at all. Know? So you really no have, you really you deadlines yeah, either. Yeah. So you really have to like figure out what it is that you want to make and what interests you and
1: yeah. Right. That was huge. That was huge. Cause uh, VCU was very, very diverse when you walk amongst like the population just casually in between classes. But once you really got into your classes, and for me, once I got into like the School of the Arts and really sat in my classes, there were like no black people, like very little black people. And so uh, we talked about this a little bit in my studio. My first few years of making work was like making triggering work because I was... In college, when police brutality was just being broadcasted all over social media and the news and everything, black boys, black men, black women, black trans people were just being killed. Like, and you
0: would describe your work as triggering? You're, you're specifically
1: doing so. that? I think so. And I think so. And I was making it to spark a discussion amongst a white audience. And how'd that go? Oh, they were quiet. They didn't want to talk, like did not want to talk about race, like silence. Well, what
0: what, were there, what was their excuse? What was there? I
1: think it was a wave of things. I think it was, I don't know how, so I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then I think it was a little bit of, um, yeah, I don't want to talk about it in general. Yeah. Um, or this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it was a range of things, which for me didn't do me any good yeah. because I, I didn't know if I was making terrible work or if I was making yeah. quality work or even what quality work means, you know, I didn't. I didn't know because no one was saying anything besides my professor, which I take most opinions with a grain of salt. So I was like, Were the professors helpful? They were. My professor was really helpful. Um, I had a few while I was there. Uh, Blair Clemo being my main professor in ceramics, um, who as a professor for me, I think that the way he taught me evolved over the years, having him for so many years. Mm -hmm. So I think... How he may have taught me as a freshman, sophomore in college wasn't how he taught me as like a junior, uh, senior graduating. Right. Um, the more he got to know my work and got to know me as like an artist. And he a became student. more like
0: a mentor and a peer. Yeah,
1: yeah. something like that. Um, and really made me question a lot of the decisions in my work and really made me think critically about like what I'm making work about mm-hmm. um, and making sure that I don't lose my voice in my work. Because since I do make work about blackness, making sure that like my voice still comes through. Cause there's a lot of work about blackness. So what, what is really specific about like what I have to say about that. So making sure that that still shows through, um, which was really important. But- so how do you,
0: how do you, how do you making sure that your voice is still there? What do you,
1: I try and pull from personal experience. So like right now in my studio, I'm making work. I'm reflecting on my childhood specifically, but trying to find some commonality, or like common threads between aspects of my childhood that may have been in like other black homes and black families growing up in this country. And so one of the pieces I'm working on that another resident artist pointed out was the most interesting piece. And that's the piece I've made here from like the idea started here and it didn't finish here, but uh, it's the piece of a painted Newport box. Uh And then it has don't forget my change over top of it. Um, and so for me, my mother grew up smoking Newports mm-hmm. and I hate cigarettes. I hate them with a burning passion. Yeah. Um, but I just remember, you know, going to the store to get a pack of Newports for her um, or going to the store to get anything for her. And just the phrase of like, don't forget my change, mm-hmm. like being in my head. Yeah. Um, and I think when you're thinking about terms of like socioeconomic status, a phrase like don't forget my change may seem so small, but When it was reversed, and you know, I just like
0: keep changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I think that was that was really interesting. So just trying to find like those small things, or like I'm making a series of jewelry boxes, and so just thinking about what that means in a household where you may not have a lot of things of value, Mm -hmm. and that being one of the things of value to hold other things of value, and thinking about what people put in them. Like I, I asked one of my aunts, like, oh, what did you put like in your jewelry box? And she has three girls and one boy. And she was like, well, when my son got his first haircut, I kept his braid like in my jewelry Mm. box throughout like moving. And I thought that was really interesting, especially because I also work with hair a lot um, and hair usually as like a stand in directly speaking to blackness. So I I found that to be like a really compelling conversation between us. I was like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. So trying to find those small things that can tie in to other people in a very personal way and other black people specifically. And I want to make sure that if I want my work to be viewed like in a gallery space or, you know, in a museum setting, then I know that the audience that may relate most to my work may not be the majority of a museum audience population. And so I'm really conscious in the ways that I'm putting work about blackness on view, Mm -hmm. you know, like falling in. I don't want to fall into like, like the white gaze of things, you know, when people can't relate to something, the way they look at something, they pull it from their own personal experience. And so for example, like in college when I would make work, people would, because they knew what I used to make work about or what like my work is, they would be like, Oh, you know, I really see like a slave pole or like a whipping post. I'm like, really? That's what you see that has nothing to do with this. Um, so really making sure that I'm super intentional and direct yeah. when I'm putting my work on view like that, yeah, though, so, and I love when people of color feel seen, yeah. like that that feeling, you know, because I like I'm a person like I'm a black person. So I love when I feel seen, yeah and and I'm in an institution that's white, you know, or that's like, historically left black people out or kept black people out, um, you know, so to, to see that is like, okay. Yeah. You know, that's, that's nice. Even if it's just, just like a small piece or like a small thing or just one thing, you know, by small, I don't mean like size. I mean just like one amongst the many. Yeah, That's still one is still just like, okay. Even though it shouldn't be like that. It should be many amongst many.
0: Yeah. And what are you working on right now in terms of your your work that I'm making yeah, in yeah. the studio?
1: Yeah. So, so you briefly um, talked about the
0: new ports.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm making these like paintings that are flat, but that have perspective. And again, I'm not a painter, so I'm hoping saying all this right. But then I'm layering words in braids on top of that yeah. from pr- phrases throughout my childhood. I'm working on this series of jewelry boxes. I just made my first piece, which I didn't consider to be a prototype, but then it cracked in the kiln, and I was like, this can't this can't be the end stage for this work. So I think I'm just going to make a series. Um, And when I had the visiting artist, Bushra come to my, or visiting writer come to my studio, she was like, yeah, I can, I can totally see you making this and maybe dedicating it to like different people in your family. So I thought that was really great. I'm working on some wall pieces. I think, I'm interested in the idea of ceramics being taken off of a table or a pedestal and put onto a wall. Yeah. So I'm interested in thinking about I'm interested in thinking about ways to kind of work through that. Um
0: And you have a show up in upcoming in right?
1: I do. Yeah. It's
0: I don't or know if I would call it a show. Okay. No, no, it
1: hasn't changed. I just oh. don't know if I would call it a show. I have I guess I'm taking over a window space of a gallery. It's
0: fine. So I, I guess mean, it I, is I, a show. It's I had a, a show in <laughs> the window display of the Annie Warhol
1: Museum. So. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm do. Ca- I'm calling that a show. Uh, which I'm excited about, which is great because I get to display these pieces. I'm also, I'm interested in pulling pieces. So I made these to like the ritualistic pieces you saw, like the bowl with the hair that's woven around the top of it. And this like libation picture. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in thinking about things that, were natural to me but maybe trying to think about its origin so in making these pieces you know i've been looking up libation or like different ceremonies from different cultures from different countries within uh the continent of africa within india and different places and kind of tying that into what i already know yeah you know like and this is, I don't know if this is the best comparison, but like when I go home, I like have to light an incense before I could like do anything.
0: Home like Baltimore? Yeah, when I go back to Maryland, Maryland, yeah, Maryland. Yeah, yeah.
1: like when I walk through my door, like I have to light an incense. And I don't know if that's like, aromatherapy for me, Mm -hmm. or if that's just like part of like a Mm -hmm. ritual I do, but like just trying to take out, but I grew up in a home where like people lit incense. And so having those things kind of like trickle through into my art practice or, you know, something as simple as like, I grew up making Kool-Aid. Like I grew up, like you get a jug of water, you pour the Kool-Aid, you pour like a crap ton of sugar. And so thinking about those things in terms of like people in other cultures or other parts of the world that I'm tied to that I'm tied through through like this association of blackness you know yeah. and like these global commonalities and struggles we all deal with like trying to tie that into my work so that's why I I also have like aspects of like bamboo earrings because mm. I grew up wearing those and like other black girls who look like me grew up wearing those
0: um yeah you're talking about that yeah, yeah
1: or having you know like the, the gold accessories you clip onto your braids, you know, pulling those out mm-hmm. and having like a large crown on the top of like this picture uh, just became really easy ways for me to just pull out those little details that I feel like don't necessarily define my experience, but I, I think they engage more with my experience of being like African-American, you know, yeah. like in like being Afro-Caribbean yeah. and stuff like that. So that's what I'm currently focused on. And I think that, I have another mentor, uh, Jamia Richmond Edwards, who is another really great artist. Um, she had a piece up for, well, she's had a piece up like a bunch of places, but, um, I know most people know like refinery 29 and like their work. And so she did like a interactive installation there, which was pretty amazing. Like mm-hmm. it was so awesome. Like huge fan of her. I really love her. And so she was just really encouraging me to think about the things I already know, you know, like you can be an expert on your own experience because no one has lived your experience. Yeah. So no one can tell you anything different than that. Uh, so really trying to to be an expert on my experience and like, okay, can't anyone what, yeah. say that? Like that's, that's not how that, you felt. Yeah. That's so, what I
0: always say. I'm mean, like, especially artists who are, who are nervous about their artist talks. It's like, right. you're the expert.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I just reinforcing that, just having someone be like, again, expert on your own perspective, like, you know, those reminders are key, subtle, but key. Yeah. Um, so that's where my art practice is now working on making these functional and sculptural objects. And I think I, I'm going to start getting into like film and photography a little bit with these pieces. We were talking about me yeah. doing like performances almost with them. Um, so I think that's where I'm headed next, which will be like uncharted territory. I mean, yeah. I've like worked with it, but for like, you know, not like in depth or yeah. really experimented or like explored the medium. So I'm excited to do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited to
0: see it. So do you want to talk a bit about, uh, so you mentioned briefly about your work, about the uh, Julia box. I'm also curious about what, you you know, your relationship to ceramics. I think ceramics is such a interesting medium. I feel like it's, it's like a medium that is still... Cause I went to a residency where it was, they specialized in clay mm-hmm. and I kind of forgot about this cause I grew up with painting. So painting sort of intuitive to me. Mm-hmm. And then after painting, I was just doing like sculpture and I was doing a lot of video. And with that, it, it, I felt like when I was learning it, you just follow some steps.
1: Right. Right.
0: But then I was trying to throw a fucking pot and then like. Yeah. And then I kept asking and then they're like, you just have to feel it. There's no, and then like literally it would fall apart in, in front of my hands. And I was like, I guess I have to, I don't have the right touch, but there's no like, there there's no, no tutorial. Right touch, yeah. It's just like, you know, you have to create that as you, you got to like create that certain shape in your hand and slowly pull mm-hmm. up. And if you're not pulling up like evenly or parallel as you're going up the, you know, the bowl or a cup, or whatever, will just like fall apart as you're right. stretching it out. And I was like, so frustrated. Yeah, you like, have to
1: be centered to, yeah, to yeah. throw. And I know it's kind of like cliche, but you really do. Clay is, whatever energy um, you put into the piece is the energy you're going to get out. Yeah. That's the advice that I got when I was figuring out clay in high school. And I thought um, also
0: like the putting it inside the kiln, it felt like a magic box. Yes. Like, because your piece could just blow up. It could. Right. And like, it could and, vanish. Yeah, it could vanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you put all this, and then it felt like it was this magic box that you just put it in, and you just like cross your fingers that hope for the best. Hope for the best. Yeah. That it'll come out. And I was just like, there's, it was, there was like this sort of magical moment that I hadn't experienced for a while in terms of like
1: making. Mm-hmm. I, I had a piece crack here, which. The kiln is, it has a mind of its own. You know, you can only do but so much. And then the rest is left up to just like the way things work. Yeah. So my my background in clay. So I started with clay just because it felt the same way. I guess painting is like intuitive for you. That's how clay felt for me. Not that I was good at it when yeah. I first started, but I think I've always... Like I, I tried painting, I tried all these different mediums and I think I yeah, just
0: latched on. you <laughs> I do. Our entire studio visit that I, I did, do. you were just complaining. Yeah, I'm not it. a
1: painter and I have to paint, you know, because the piece calls for something yeah. to be rendered and yeah. I, I had to paint that. But um, yeah, painting is not my first love. It, it's not any love unless I can, you know, like mindlessly <laughs> paint, That that's cool. Um, clay just became so... It was for well, I think the first part was it was childlike, right? Like it, it reminded me of Plato where I could like mm. think of something, squeeze my hands, and make something. Yeah. And that was that was pretty intuitive. And I think the second part of it was I think I had more freedom with clay. I could make these three-dimensional objects um that weren't flat, that had shape, that had body. And I think visually that was just really Attractive to me. I was like, wow, you know, it was like a whole new world of what I could do. So Clay just kind of became my like concentration. And then I met a really wonderful artist, um Khalil Robert Irving, a few years ago At in PCU. Miami. No, in Miami. Oh, what were yeah. you doing in Miami? Um, Art Basil. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and so he really challenged me on the way I was thinking about my identity as an artist. And what did you know, he say?
0: Or wait, did you meet with him or he you just, you just saw the work?
1: Oh, I met with okay, him. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I met him when I met his work. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was like at the booth. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the convention center. But then outside of that, we've hung out and he was just like, you know, your practice could expand beyond your materials. So in thinking of your terms, and thinking of yourself in terms of, as being like a ceramicist or a potter, you can limit yourself that way and mm. in, into the other materials you can invite into your art practice. And so here it's been really interesting because there's no wheel. So I can't throw. So I I have to hand build things or figure out other materials to mm-hmm. use for things. So it's been challenging in that way. But I, I used other materials before. So it wasn't like a new thing. Mm-hmm. It was just like a new space for it. And so- um, which I think has been a really interesting way of shifting the focus of like my work. Like everything doesn't have to be made out of yeah. clay, and that's that's fine. That's okay. So that was that was a really uh, great like turning point, and I guess conversation, just like in a very small way. But I would define, you know, my art practice. I'm just going to like read this blurb. Uh, but I create work about blackness as a social and cultural identity. The objects I create are influenced by how I, as a woman of color, navigate through society struggling with overwhelming feelings regarding identity, family and community through ceramics and other materials. I visually express the significance and prosperity of this unique experience. Um, in my studio practice comprises both functional and sculptural ceramic objects that communicate and facilitate critical discourse with my audience. And I think currently I'm focused on creating a new body of work reflective of my experiences, uh, from childhood into present. And that invite my audience to like, to engage, I feel like in a a vital dialogue about contemporary issues regarding race and culture. Um, so that's, I guess like a little like blanket blurb about my work.
0: Mm -hmm. Ten one one minute pitch, 10 second pitch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like an elevator pitch. Yeah. That's, that's what I would consider my work right now. And it took me a, a while to kind of get to that language to talk about my work.
0: It's <sighs> hard. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always like rewriting it and yeah.
1: I don't even know how that, that had to be like the 10th time or something. Oh. And then after getting like other people to proofread and be like, do you see this in my work? You know, cause it, it when t- you're writing yeah. and what people see can be yeah. disconnected. So. No, it took me a long time. I don't yeah. think it ever ends. I think it's just well, it reinventing when, well, it. Well,
0: it ends once you're like famous and that doesn't actually matter what you say. That's true. Which I don't know. That, I, don't <laughs> know if I don't know if that's good or not. I feel like you might be in some level dead at that point. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. Um,
1: the pressure of it, you know, the pressure, like, like when you make it to... To do you then get to create the work that you want to make? Do you get to have, the, like, the freedom and the agency to keep experimenting? Or do you make the work that, like, collectors want to buy and people yeah. know? You know, like, that, I, that that's an issue. That's a real issue for people. So yeah. glad I don't have those problems yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. But, yeah, ceramics just was my first love. And then uh, I have a really great mentor, Sonia Clark, who works with hair and beading. And, um, she's also an artist. She's also okay. an artist. She's a, a wonderful artist. She's uh, wonderful would be like an understatement. Like, I don't know what, what, like the incredible, mm-hmm. I just don't think it like lives up to like how I, I feel about her, but she's, she's amazing. She just finished actually the, um, the black rock Kehinde Wiley residency in. in oh yeah he, yeah.
0: he just opened that up mm-hmm. right? recently. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Like
1: this was like the inaugural and year how, for how it. How was
0: that? What did she say?
1: Uh, I didn't. I, I think I emailed her while she was there, yeah. but from her like social media um, presence, she seems like she's had a really wonderful it's time. Always, it always
0: looks better than it is. Right. <laughs> she, I think she had an amazing time
1: though. I mean, I also think she finds, she finds amazing moments in anything yeah, she goes yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, so she's a textile artist, but she works with hair. She's an artist, but she works with textiles and beading and yeah. hair and fabric. And so she was the chair of uh, VCU Crafts when I was at undergrad. Oh nice. Um, and so she was also the only like other black person on the floor. So but she's the chair. Yeah. Which great. Yeah. Which was awesome. A lot of the chairs were black. They're they're not there anymore. Um, but I remember the first time meeting her, I like went up to her hyperventilating and I was like, She was like, What's your name? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but she's been an amazing uh, mentor for me and really Encourage me to think about hair in all these dynamic ways. Yeah. And so to bring a little bit of that into my art practice.
0: How, how did she um, show you that or talk to you about that?
1: Well, one way was like through her work. Mm-hmm. Like I remember um, writing a paper on her for one of my art education classes um, about her work. And she did this really beautiful project called the hair project. And she had black salon women who like braid hair. I don't, I forget like what the the term is called. Like when you work in a salon. Yeah. I don't Uh, think it's called a braider though. I I, I can't remember it right now. Um, but she had them use her head as a canvas to make these like beautiful, intricate braid patterns. Okay. And then she actually, I can't remember if the artist created it or she created it, but I think they did, but then they also, she gave them this like painted canvas and this like thread and they made these like equally beautiful, like intricate hair designs on this canvas. And she put it into like a big book called The Hair Project. And it was just a really beautiful project and thinking about hair as as a medium, like as a craft yeah. and thinking about like changing the ways we think about like hair braiding and stuff like that. That's, mm. that's an art form and not everyone can do it and yeah. not everyone can do it. Well, I mm. certainly cannot. Um, and so that, that was like, wow, you know, and thinking and thinking about that, changing the ways we think about people who are artists yeah, was was really great. And like what we think of art as, yeah, I enjoyed that piece, the hair project. So that was one of the ways. And then just like in conversation, like if you ever get a moment to like speak with her, she's, really sweet, really inviting, really funny. And she just will have you questioning everything, you know, like, but why? Okay. I get that. I get that. But why? Or like, what does that do? Or this and that? And I'm like, wow. Okay. You know, you think you have like a well thought through idea and then you bring it to somebody and they completely dissect it. And now you have like, you leave. I always left with homework. Like, even if it was just a simple, she's eating lunch. I want to stop in. It's like, I leave with homework. I leave with artists to research. I leave with work to research, things to watch, things to listen to, which yeah. is great. You want someone like that who's gonna who's gonna push you, and yeah. I've been really lucky and blessed to kind of have those people in all of these spaces. It's been awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all need those mentors, I think.
1: Yeah, especially after college, I you know, cause you don't know what it's like after college until you're living in it. Like, I know the stories of people telling me and stuff like that, but until you're in it and experience it, you really don't know what it's like to maintain an art practice when you don't have, you Any know, you pressure. have to, yeah, you yeah. have to seek out those things and those people. Yeah. You can't just like make something and put it up and expect people to talk about it. Yeah. So, or care about it or anything.
0: Yeah. I always, yeah. I always think not, not not everyone needs to go to grad school. It's sort of a yeah weird thing. But if you do, you should always take like at least a year. I took four years. This off. is my
1: second. This is going on my second year. Yeah. I'm thinking about applying next year. But the thing is, I refuse to pay for an MFA program. Yeah. Like I
0: Where would refuse. you want to go?
1: I don't know. But I know that I want to go to a place. I don't care if it's big or small, public or private. That doesn't really matter to me anymore. I want to go to a place that has like quality professors like good mentors who are researching in their own practice who are showing work um but who also are like good teachers you know like the stature of a person doesn't mean that they can teach me really well or that they can help me in my own art practice just because they're good at their own art practice so i want to go to a place that has you know teachers who have taught to people um and you can see that like they've been not not even like instrumental but just like a great voice to have
0: yeah
1: and I want to go to a place where I can do something interdisciplinary so I'm really big on like community engagement because my work focuses on community so I want people to be able to kind of not even just engage but like help me in part of like the art making process so thinking about a place that has like easy access to communities you know like it's not something I have to like take like a 30 minute bus ride to or anything like that. And then a place that has a focus on museums and like curatorial work. Mm-hmm. I think that's also a big thing I'm interested in because I, you're
0: I, like all over the place. <laughs> I am, which is why it's so
1: hard for me to find like a specific program. I not mean
0: that in that way. That just- has
1: this. Well, so I, if I know that I want my work to be tailored to that audience, I want to make sure that like, there are other people who look like me in that space. Yeah. And I have the luxury of having other friends that look like me that make really, they're like great people and they make great work. And so if I, if I have a chance to also like shine a spotlight on them, then I want to be able to do that. So, you know, breaking down the way museums put up shows and like how they select people and stuff like that. that I'm really interested in, in like the curatorial part of that. And then of course, like a place with a good, studio, you know, like I want to work with yeah. clay. I want to work with welding. I want to work with beadwork. So finding a space that has. All those that, places are closing. That lets well, it me. It seems like
0: most art schools are closing those down. Slowly. I
1: know. Making um, like
0: art fab spaces and yeah, electronics and yeah.
1: Yeah. Electronics is huge. And I, I still don't even know how to use Photoshop. That's so good. I am <laughs> so far behind. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do in the next five years.
0: Get famous and hire someone to do it.
1: Right, right. Yeah. I'll be able to pay for it because I have yet to learn. Maybe I just, I've even tried to learn. I have. It just, like, my brain doesn't, it, like, doesn't process (laughs) computers and Photoshop or, like, Final Cut. Like, trying to use, like, Final Cut or Premiere you were talking about is, like, the hardest thing for me. Like. Baby, through. baby steps.
0: You you know use Microsoft Word, right? I do, <laughs> okay, I do. Right, Word, Word. Microsoft
1: Office, everything okay. I got. Excel right. is a little challenging sometimes.
0: Excel, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even fully understand Excel but <laughs> sometimes. But
1: I do. Yeah, I mean,
0: I it's, yeah, I mean, you do what you need to do, and yeah.
1: Right, right. So yeah, I'm gonna uh, find. We two. should
0: we should do another interview and like maybe. Three years, four years? Yeah, Maybe maybe like- See
1: where we're both at.
0: (laughs) Maybe you would have, you know, gone to grad school, graduated, and I'm sure your work changed a lot in grad (laughs)
1: because
0: my work changed a ton in grad school. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm excited and nervous, but I am happy that I get to do some living in between because like you said, most people- I think it's really important. Don't go, yeah. Yeah. Don't go right back. I feel like you have to. You have to know why you want to make that kind of work, like what you want to make, like- what's the big deal about it for yeah, you yeah. and sometimes going straight into to grad school you don't have time to like. yeah I think it's live. It.
0: I think it if one can avoid that yeah
1: i I agree I second that I think it also just gives you freedom like I really burnt myself out in college like Vcu is a powerhouse and yeah. the amount of work I made in college is like insane to me the amount of like sleepless nights I had like there were some days when I I don't know how I was walking like yeah. I don't know how I can pull. <laughs> too on you know like that is to stay up for like almost 48 hours and Dangerous, dangerous it, it especially is.
0: if you're working with
1: yeah, you know tools machinery and stuff yeah. yeah it it is not good and it's not okay and and I think it's a myth that like if you if you go without sleep then you will have these like eureka moments and like bright ideas yeah, no, like no. you need rest you need sleep yeah. you need food yeah. you need to spend time with people you love like not in your studio you need all these things to make work like they're all important and they should all be like equally important. Yeah. And so having time outside of school where I can realize that for myself yeah. has been, you know, like if you're sleepy, take take a nap. Like yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Um, and I had to learn that. Uh that's also like intrinsic, like black women and sleeping and like resting. I feel like is really challenging yeah, for some yeah. of us to do. Yeah. Uh, which I understand, you know, like the historical aspects of that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, do you do any plugs? Where yeah, people can find you. Plug
1: my Instagram. Um, so it is ceramics.byangelique. So ceramics, ceramics dot by Angelique. So ceramics, C like okay, E R A M I C S dot by Angel I Q E. It's like by Angel
0: I Q E. Yeah, that's okay. like the
1: easiest way I've learned yeah, how to say yeah. my name to people. Like, oh Angelique, how do you spell that Angel-I-Q-U-E? Yeah, there yeah. you go definitely follow me on social media. And if you've listened to this podcast, please DM me and like, let me know what you think, your thoughts, if there are any, you know, common threads between my work and yours. I'm, I'm very open person. I love conversation or, you know, just, just to be like, I hate that. That's terrible. You know, that also drives me. So I will probably block you, but yeah.
0: Don't send that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need that right now.
1: It's true. Like no negativity. You know, you block out like all toxicity. Um,
0: but Not all, but I just sort of like, you know, I think, I think i surrounded myself with like people who I trust who are willing to say what they think in a constructive way. Yeah. And I don't think at this point that kind of just like blanket negativity without much re- reasoning or rationality or... Is that helpful?
1: Yeah, or like any solution, you yeah. know. Like if they're not offering something, yeah, I get that. I get that too. Yeah, trolls, trolls suck. Unless you're like Lona's ex, then you're yeah,
0: tired. I don't have the patience to like respond <laughs> to trolls. And I was very, con- I was very conscious of it, cautious uh, conscience and cautious of it with this podcast because I knew, like, I think even before I started, whatever troll postings, I decided to like not respond or even mm-hmm. acknowledge.
1: Which is good, you know, cause you don't want that to like deter from like your main goal. And I think, I think this podcast is really important and like really necessary. So I'm glad you're doing it. I'm honored to, to be on here or, you know, all of our conversations outside of this podcast yeah. have been really great too. So yeah. just to know you has been really awesome. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is great. All right.
0: <laughs> we can end there, I guess.
1: Yes. Everyone have a great day. All Keep right. making work.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, z Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Under the handle Seeing Color Pot. If you enjoy this show and have the time, I'd appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a 5 star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.